Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Buenas, buenas, tamarindo amiguis. What's up, y'all? Hi. Hello, everyone. Well, today we are going to talk to Vico Ortiz, the non-binary actor and activist that continues to break barriers, most recently playing Jim in HBO's Our Flag Means Death. This is a hilarious and super fun show. This show features Academy Award winner Taika Waititi, Fred Armisen, Leslie Jones, among an, a bunch of other really super fun characters. And you'll soon hear why this show is so important, and especially through Vico's character, Jim. And I got to say, Anishela, Vico was a complete delight to speak to. So much joy, so much joy. Vico wants young queers and people around the globe to see characters on screen that are relatable, no matter their background, their sexual orientation, or gender identity. And I know it's meaningful to see greater representation, so I can't wait for all y'all to hear from Vico. Yeah, I, I'm so excited. Well, I'm a little bit jelly that you got to talk to Vico, but I'm excited to hear the conversation. But obviously, we just want more representation because we just want to not keep seeing the same stereotypes of queers, of Latinx folks, of women, etc. And the more representation that we have, the more that, you know, writers represent us and, you know, aren't all white men, the more that we get to see nuanced and beautiful, full representations of, of, of who we are. Exactly. Yes. So I'm excited to, to hear that conversation. Um, yeah. So Brenda, ¿cómo estás? ¿Qué pasa contigo? What's, what's up? I am wrapping up school. As you all know, I have a bazillion jobs. One of them is teaching at Cal State Fullerton. So it was the last day of class yesterday, and I was feeling really great because, you know, these kids, they've come a long way. <laughs> they did their final presentations, and wow, like they really actually listened to my feedback. I was very impressed to see literal notes that I gave them specific feedback and seeing them incorporated. I was like, oh my God, maybe, maybe I, maybe I do matter. Maybe, maybe, Aww. maybe I'm doing this. Okay. Good and, cute. Um, and one of them asked me like, what else you teach? I want to take you again. Now it could be because I let everything fly, slide by. It could be that I'm an easy A, but, but I don't care. I, I was flattered. I felt really nice about that. That's so funny. I actually was going to ask you, Brenda, what kind of a, of a profe you are. I don't know. I think I'm super chill. And look, um, I it's been a long time since I was in college. And I, my friends and I, I was just catching up with my really good friend, Evelyn. We both met at Cal State Fullerton. We both came from, you know, uh, we weren't going to get into Ivy Leagues, right? So we got to got into Cal State Fullerton. And we, I, at least she and I were reflecting that it, it, it felt challenging, but it felt like everyone was bringing their A game. And and I'm seeing these students today, and to me, at least I me, mean, maybe I was the same way, but in my impression of them is that they're just really young. Like they, the last three years, they were learning online, so um, they didn't have to take the SATs because of COVID. So my impression of them, and it could be that I was the same way, but at least now that I'm 20 years older, they just seem very young, you know, like very, a very young 18, 17, however, whatever age they are. So mm -hmm. um, I, because of that, and because I think there's been a lot of resources for educators about 
trauma-informed teaching and about the different challenges that, that students face, I try to bring a, in a lot of compassion, a lot of empathy, a lot of leniency, straight up leniency, because the truth is these kids are commuting sometimes several hours. The, some of them had to just straight up stop coming to class because their dad's schedule changed and they couldn't get dropped off. You know, these are the sorts of challenges that a lot of students face, especially at the Cal States. So um, the type of approach that I want to bring is just being compassionate and, and thoughtful about the challenges that many of these students are facing. I love that. And I think that that like points to why it's important to have profes like you, right? And whether you've shared some of those experiences or you just understand them, right? Whereas some teachers might not be thinking about that, right? Well, I hope that they are. The good thing is that I, and I have to give a shout out to Cal State Fullerton. I think they're, there and all the Cal States, perhaps there's been a lot of resources and support to get teachers to think this way, to get teachers to to really um, bring that more um, thoughtful approach and compassionate approach. So I don't think it's unique to me. I think there's really been a lot of support to get us to be that way. So matraca to Cal State Fullerton. Yeah, yeah. So what's up with you, Ana Sheila? Que pasa contigo? What is on your mind? So I have over. I had a reflection that I wanted to share. Um, but before that, I, I wanted to share that I've been feeling kind of angry, like a little angrier than is normal for me. Cause I wouldn't consider myself an angry person, but so I've just been feeling into that. Cause like part of me like feels guilty that I, that I'm feeling like angry or, but I'm like, you know what? Like I get to feel angry sometimes. And, and like, I, I also get to explore why that is. Cause I'm not someone that likes to stay angry but that that's okay. So that's a little mini reflection. But um, welcome, Anna Sheila. I freaking I know, love I've, being in a Hona. It's a, it's a, embrace it, feel it. It's not. It's not healthy for it. me to stay to stay long in that. But it's like you know what? Fuck that. I could be angry too, and that's okay. Um, sorry for the expletive, but that's how I'm feeling, y'all. But anyways, um, but no, the reflection I wanted to share, um. And, and it kind of goes back to like why it's so important to keep breaking down these ideas of how we're supposed to be um, and why like representation like Vico's on the show is important um, is like letting go of the idea that like our goal and, and it's, you know, and I think we've all been thinking like we've been thinking about this. It's so basic, but it's still so ingrained in us. But this idea that like you know, by your 30s, you're supposed to be married and have kids and that you're supposed and that your goal is to find that one person who you get married to and have these kids with and are with for the rest of your life. Um, and, you know, even though I'm queer and so like I, I think that helps like lighten some of that pressure, it's still sort of like a f- has affected me. And um, but what I realize is if I really think like if I really get down deep and think about what is it that I want? Like, I'm actually so happy, even though I'm thinking about having kids, I'm so happy that I don't have kids right now. Like, I'm so happy that up until this point, I've been able to experience life without kids. Um, I'm so happy that I've gotten to experience love with lots of different people. I'm going to get emotional. (sighs) Sorry. Um, And it doesn't mean that that, sorry. It's all right, Anasheda, feel the feelings. (laughs) It doesn't mean that that relationship wasn't meant to be forever, you know? It doesn't, and like, the, and sometimes I feel like some of the extra suffering is because we feel we had this pressure that that was supposed to be the case. When, what if we really allowed ourselves to 
just see people and our love experiences for the time that they were. And like that this, when something ends, it allows you to have a new experience. And that like, you know, my grandparents were married for 72 years and that's beautiful. You know, they both like passed away in their 90s and they were a beautiful couple. But actually, like, I, I wouldn't want that. And like, I don't know that I even want to be find one person to be with for the rest of my life and only have that one monogamous relationship. And so just being open to like, no, like this is really like what I've had is really beautiful and it gets to be whatever I want it to be. And it can look so many different types of ways. So that's the the reflection that I've been having. (laughs) Well, I hope I know it will probably resonate with a lot of people that are confronting these sorts of feelings as well. So thanks for sharing. It's always such a powerful moment on this podcast when you you uh, you bless us with your vulnerability, because I know it means so much to our listeners. And I appreciate you sharing that with us today. And even though it's heavy, even though it's hard, feel all the feelings, feel all the feelings. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing all that. Anashayla. And um, well, with that, we've, we've had our opportunity to check in, and we are so excited to bring to all of you our conversation with Vico Ortiz. Well, first off, welcome, Vico, to Tamarindo. How are you? I am doing fabulously. How are you? It's Friday, you know, TGIF, but I am a little under the weather, so if you hear a little nasally, that's why. <laughs> Noted, noted. No, good to know. I mean, I feel like a good nasal noise is very great for a podcast. So I'm so here for it. Yeah, I wish it was more like soulful, you know, <laughs> but, it, but it, you know, it is what it is. But luckily not COVID. So we're so oh, excited. Oh, goodness, yes. Yeah, yeah, two negative tests. So knock on wood, all good. We're so excited to have you. First of all, I have to tell you that um, we're fans of your TikToks and we've shared your TikToks because they are charming and hilarious. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I love going from like charming to to really sweet and tender to unhinged and also educational. You know, it's how you roll. It's how I go. <laughs> I love it. That that is basically the tone of this podcast. <laughs> that is exactly, oh, I love exactly it. it. And I'd love yes. to get started with these are our fun rapid fire questions that we ask all our guests and that way we can get to know you a little bit better. So very very quick fun questions here. The first one is it's a it's a Mexican toy called la matraca, and we, you know you you see these a lot at soccer games, something to celebrate. So, what gets your matraca? What is a, a something whether it's big, small, person, place, thing, whatever comes to mind? What is one thing you're celebrating? Oh wow, um, I love the word matraca. I'm just <laughs> I'm stuck with that right now. Um, <laughs> what gets my matraca going is uh, honestly, I mean, I know it's gonna sound pretty cheesy, but um, love. Honestly, I celebrate love, self-love, uh, friendship, love, uh, family, love, uh, chosen family, love. It's, um, it's, it's really beautiful. I feel like once you start kind of just like unpacking, uh, all of the structures and you start, you know, coming to yourself more authentically and starting to connect with people, uh, is a more authentic version of yourself, however that may look like. And and start celebrating them as they are as well. It's it's uh, it's something definitely worth celebrating. <laughs> I, yes, that that sounds amazing, magical. I love that. We love that. And then counter <laughs> counter energy. <laughs> what goes in la basura? What is something you are done with? You're canceling. What goes in la basura? <laughs> oh goodness gracious. 
Uh, capitalism. Uh, <laughs> done with capitalism. Done with uh, s- most politicians. Um, <laughs> yeah. Done. Done with with this mentality of of squeezing us for uh, for the sake of. I mean, like I'm done with the idea of of coming into this world just to be used and abused and juiced, and then made us think that like any type of rest is like not worthy, and then we're not worthy of of just literally being um and uh, yeah so done done with capitalism and and uh, the white supremacy and all of that yes (laughs) over it (laughs) big huge gigantic basura to all of that and then massive one (laughs) big massive one and then uh speaking of getting some rest uh what is one way that you get your calma how do you stay grounded Oh, wow. What's really funny is that I sort of answered that question a few days ago on a TikTok because um, Nathan and Christian did a live on Instagram and they mentioned that my trailer was like the best trailer on the set because <laughs> um, I always had it like I had it decked up with like a lot of of I, it was a very Zen place. And I uh, during the pandemic um, changed my my routine and actually started to take care of myself. And I, I, I started to change a lot of habits that were very, um, uh, self-sabotaging. And I began by, you know, waking up and putting a little bit of like, uh, meditation music, you know, whether, whether I was focusing on a, focusing on a, a chakra that day or whichever. And then like once my whole house was like sounding of, of, uh, Tibetan bowls and whatnot, I would light some incense and, uh, journal, meditate, do yoga, make myself a little coffee. And when I found out that we were going to be, you know, uh, in this trailer for four and a half months, I took all of those things that I would do at home and took them to the trailer. So I had my little yoga mat and my little incense holder and my uh, purifier and like all the things that, you know, really uh, allowed me to um, come to myself and uh, ease into my mornings and ease into my day and connect with myself and my breath and my body um, before uh, connecting with anyone else. Um, and I do my best to do that every morning. Uh, sometimes I, you know, I, I miss on it and I like roll, you know, roll out of the bed and like look at my emails and like, um, and I notice the difference, you know, when I like immediately start the day like working versus like actually connecting with myself. So yeah, what brings me calma is, is really taking some time to, to just, listen to my body, witness my thoughts, observe what they make me feel and let that happen and then uh, start my day. That is so, so important. It's, a, it's something we, we like to mention a lot on the podcast. We have our Calma segment and um, Ana Sheila, who's not with, with us at this moment, but Ana Sheila, who is our sort of like our resident wellness coach, always reminds mm-hmm. us about the importance of these these moments and these routines. So thank you mm-hmm. for walking us through that. And and speaking of your trailer and your TikToks, we, you've allowed us to be in, be inside that trailer. So I totally can visualize what that is. And, and that's when you were, of course, playing Jim, the badass pirate that you play on HBO's Our Flag Means Death. But before we talk about Jim and before we talk about that fantastic show, I'd love for folks to know your journey. How did you get into acting? Tell us about your background and how you got into this. 
Absolutely. Wow. I've always been a performer. I was also born in a family of performers. Both my uh, mom and dad are actors. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. And um, yeah, I this might be TMI, but I was conceived before a show. I like, I was very much like I came out of the womb, like, what's up? Let's perform. And, um, I was always fascinated by it. I, I grew up, you know, behind, uh, backstage. I was doing homework in, in the dressing rooms. I was helping out, uh, with costumes and props and, and was always behind the scenes seeing the magic being made and still was fascinated by how beautiful everything was. Uh, when I was watching the shows, I would be like, I, I would see the whole process and then be completely mesmerized still by how captivating a show can be. And I always knew that I wanted to be part of that. And I uh, began fencing when I was 11, which was kind of a twist and turn in my um career goals, but not really. Like at the time I felt like it was like, this is totally not the route that I was going to go for. Cause I became a full-time athlete apart from like being in school. I was like, uh, I was uh, training every day uh, for three to four hours and like traveling a lot, competing. And, uh, but then, and, but then even when I was competing, I was very much a performer. There's videos of me like in between Bouts, taking dance breaks and getting the crowd going. And I always made sure that my uh, bouts were engaging and exciting and thrilling. And I always would do something that was just close enough to getting me a foul, but it was entertaining <laughs> enough that it wouldn't, you know, it's it wouldn't cross it. the line. <laughs> yeah, it was worth it. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, at age 17, almost 18, I finished high school and I uh, retired from the team. I quit the team and I moved to Los Angeles and began my uh, career and began my, my process to, to get into the industry of, of acting in Los Angeles. And because of my experience as a fencer, I got into stunt performing first and stunts was the way that I got officially uh, into the union. Um, and then once I became union, then I began going out for more uh, uh, f- uh, acting roles that were on TV shows and whatnot. And, and slowly but surely that uh, started, that, that began opening up. But there was also another journey that I was going that was um, my inside journey, right? Uh, I remember when I first moved to LA, um, I... I mean, I was 17, almost 18, and I had spent all of my uh, adolescence so uh, type A student and type A athlete focused solely on school and solely on on uh, competing that I never really actually like asked myself who I was. I never actually looked within totally. And then once I get to LA, uh, I've always had this uh, very fairy-like energy, uh, very uh, that fluidity between uh, femininity and masculinity has always been within me. And when I went to Los Angeles, I was told that I wasn't Latina enough. I didn't look Latina. I wasn't actually like what they thought you know, a Latina should act and sound like and and behave. So I, because I wanted to work, right, and I wanted to book things, I 
shit, I, I started to morph in trying to satisfy this uh, white, cis, hetero, normative male gaze of what a Latina uh, should be. And it felt weird because I was like performing being someone I wasn't on top of also performing being someone I wasn't. And it felt very odd and it, and it, it, I, it didn't feel right. And as I started asking myself questions about who I am and who I, I want to be and, and who I want to be with, um, and first came out as, uh, as a lesbian. And I remember also being in terrified of saying that publicly because in uh, in the culture that I was raised in you know that's used as uh, blackmail you know you can't tell people that you're gay because that could be used against you for booking roles and booking things you can't do this you can't do that you can't be who you are in order to succeed and that really shocked me which is the reason why once I made the decision to be public about it, I have ever since been so intentional about being uh, unapologetically myself and show the industry, show the people, show society, show this world that you can be yourself and still be successful. But it was a very scary thing to step into. Um, but once I I really came into that uh, space and really owned up uh, who I am, uh, things started to shift too. I became this wild card. I would come to any audition and people were like, this is different. I've never seen this take on this before. And I, I just started to kind of just like show these producers and these casting directors a different take on these roles. And sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. Um, and apart from that, I began connecting with the uh, queer filmmakers uh, in uh, film festivals and, and, um, and uh, mixers and, and networking events and realizing how important it was to tell our stories and, and collaborating with these people. And it's been so beautiful to see how us as a community have been growing together, uh, not only in the independent filmmaking world, but in the mainstream world. A lot of people that I am collaborating now and want to collaborate with are show running, are producing, are directing, are writing in big mainstream shows. And I get to do the same, but in the acting side. So now we're all just like opening doors and windows for each other and like keeping that door open and whistling and calling everybody in. And it's so beautiful to see. So that's kind of been my journey in terms of how my internal process has been hand in hand with my growth as an actor within the industry. That is that is electrifying. I'm giving you matracas. <laughs> you know, like, yes. That, that, is, that is beautiful and, and such a great reminder that that often when we allow ourselves or, or get free, get that freedom to be authentically who we are, that that mm -hmm. can often lead into what it you know, leads into other opportunities. And I think you're you're an example of that in action. But without without taking away the difficulty and the challenges that that we continue to face in a world that is dominated by that cis straight male gaze. So I, I think uh, thank you for painting that picture for us. I think it's, it's electrifying. It's wonderful. And it's great to see. And I think that's a great way to bring us to Jim.
Hey, all, we want to remind you that you can use the offer code Tamarindo at Sholobooks.com, the Latina-owned online bookstore dedicated to decolonizing your bookshelf. We love to read. We know you love to read. And now you can do it while supporting Latina small businesses with that code at Sholobooks.com. Right now, you can pre-order Erica Sanchez's new memoir, Crying in the Bathroom. Erica is the author of I Am Not Your Perfect Mexican Daughter. And once again, the offer code is TAMARINDO, T-A-M-A-R-I-N-D-O. Y'all know how to spell that. All caps at checkout to save 10% off at Sholo Books, spelled X-O-L-O Books. We are excited to bring back our Zoom book club, which we did a couple of times during the pandemic times. I guess we're still in the pandemic times, but we are doing a Zoom book club with Erika Sanchez herself. We are so, so excited. This is a free online event happening July 21st at 12 p.m. Pacific time. So come spend your lunch break with us and dive into this book, Crying in the Bathroom. And once again, please pre-order that book at sholobooks.com. Use the offer code Tamarindo to save 10% off. And we can't wait to Zoom you later. Jim is a really special character. So tell us about this character and what did it mean to you to play this role? Um, Wow. It meant, it means everything. It's really... I'm going to, I love the word electrifying. So I'm, I'm going to use that one too. I love it. It's been really electrifying to see everyone's reaction to Jim uh, in the show because I share those feelings with everyone. As I was reading the series, as, as, as it was developing, I, I was just as, as mesmerized and excited and and couldn't I kept pinching myself like I can't believe I am I am doing this this is actually happening um the second I get uh the breakdown for the role I mean I I read it and I was I was this is me this is me they're looking for latina they're looking for non-binary they're looking for uh, I mean they didn't know that I was a skilled sword fighter but I mean I was a skilled sword fighter um, <laughs> the bonus that didn't know but it came with the, with the package um and and it resonated so much because as much as I love educating as much as I love uh playing roles that also know a lot it's oh, it's fun to have this character who just you know what I'm just Jim I don't have to explain why I'm Jim and and all the ins and outs of those things but I just know that I'm not a mermaid and I am Jim <laughs> <laughs> that's what I know and everyone's like amazing we love it Jim makes all the sense and I felt so taken care of I mean I, I've I there were already three writers in the room who are non-binary so knowing that there was more than one person vouching for this character besides me um for people I mean it, I, I mean apart from that everyone was so uh, open to listening to my experience and and going with it and totally being on board with what I would bring to to Jim right and and showing um, the world or giving giving the the world the chance to ask themselves who you are outside of 
societal expectations. And I think that's not just a gym thing. I think a lot of the characters in the show also offer that option for everybody, which I think it's what makes the show so compelling and so relatable and so validating. So many people feel validated in their experiences uh, by so many characters in the show. And I think that's so beautiful uh, to have these people interact with each other and be accepted and and be celebrated and be loved and, and to be joyful with each other. It really shows an option for a world that we're all really craving. And it's, I mean, I, I, I still, I mean, I still look at the show and I, I can't believe that I'm in it because I'm also such a fan of the show. I, this is my demographic. I'm exactly what the, I'm exactly the people the show is catering for. And knowing that I'm also part of it is like, yeah, it's bananas. (laughs) Such a fun show. Um, yeah, it's, it's, if folks, if you have not heard it, you have to watch this show. It's called Our Flag Means Death. And it's amazing that it can pack all that when we, when what it is is, is a pirate show. <laughs> it's a pirate show. Really? So it's Truly. so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Um, the amount of, of depth in the show that carries also so much humor, it really does not lose it does not ever lose the humor amongst the the deepness the softness the tenderness the the intense moments it's it's truly it's very human it it really it really leans into the all of the contradictions that we carry and i think that's really cool to watch yeah, fantastic show. Um, and I'm sure it was a lot of fun to shoot. And I'd love to know, I mean, we, we often talk about the need for greater opportunities and more nuanced representation of Latine stories and characters. And I think the, the roles you've played have certainly been a sign of positive steps in the right direction. What would you like to see more of? Oh, wow. Oh, I feel like, I, de- I mean, obviously I want more uh, diversity in front of the camera. I think you can definitely, I think we're still seeing a lot of that. Oh, we have the one trans character and the one gay person. And then it's it not, not, and we're good. And I'm like, you can have more than one trans person. You can have more than one gay person in the show, which again, our flag shows a lot of that, which is really awesome to see. Uh, but it's the one show compared to a bunch of other things that are coming out every day. Um, and aside from that, I also want to see more diversity behind the camera, uh, not just in the writer's room. I'm talking directors. I'm talking producers. I'm talking executives. I'm talking uh, grip, uh, costumer, hair, makeup, lighting, everybody, and not just queer representation. I'm talking intersection between intersection between intersection. I think a lot of the problems that we have, not just in this industry, but in general, is that we still have the higher ops being the white, cis, het, male, able-bodied male. And the mentality for a lot of it is that exploitative uh, capitalist um, uh, way of thinking. So when you have uh, people that 
cover several intersections of experience in higher up positions, you're going to have just a better quality of work in life in your sets. So I I want to see more of that. <laughs> yeah, all of us definitely. And and I think the show, the success of Our Flag Means Death is testament of what can happen when you do have more of that. So we want more of it, more of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, 100%, 100%. It can definitely... Yeah, it can definitely get better, and I am excited to to see how how that shifts and changes. <laughs> yeah, and you've been really busy. I'd, I'd like to know a little bit about um, Calle de, de la Resistencia and some of the other projects that you've been involved in lately. Yes, yes. Calle was in theaters in Puerto Rico. I got to play a young um, trans mask non-binary college student whose father is a policeman and they are like one of the leaders of the protest in Puerto Rico. Uh, I loved being part of that uh, movie because when I was brought into the the role, it was originally written to be a uh, cis het uh, guy. And when I was brought into the the process, uh, obviously I was the in that case I was the only uh, trans person in in that show. So all the questions uh, go to me when it comes to educating um, a responsibility that I that I took willingly. I knew that that was coming in that that was going to happen. Um, and one of the first things that I made sure to address was you don't need to. I don't want to add more uh, issues between Tito, uh, the character that I was playing, and uh, their father. I think just the fact that you have a very excited leader, college student, Uh, whose father is a policeman is plenty of conflict. I don't think that adding the father having an issue with Tito being trans and non-binary, it's, it's, I don't need that. I've seen enough of that trauma porn, you know, I'm over it. Um, So being there and advocating for myself in that regard really helped because that was definitely, they were like, the second I I jumped in, they were like, we should, and I was like, no, we're not going to do nothing. We're going to keep it just like that. that's it. Um, I think it's important for for my, well, at least this was shown in Puerto Rico and in some other uh, Latina festivals, but uh, I think it's important for people to see that, yes, you can have trans non-binary people in your life and not shun them. Uh, and you don't have to necessarily completely understand what is going on, but you can still completely love them for who they are. And I wanted to show that. Um which again, it goes do- down to what, you know, with Jim and Nana, where I love that Nana has no issue with Jim being Jim, but like has an issue with Jim not completing the revenge cycle of killing the Siete Gallos, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff is so beautiful to see because it's like, oh, wow. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, and in in and in, on my end, you know, jumping into the uh, the press for, for Calle, you know, I get to talk a to a lot of um, Spanish-speaking uh, press, and same with with our flag, right? And it's so beautiful to to just hear me speak using uh, inclusive Spanish language in these outlets, and have the um, journalists uh, 
actually embrace that, right? And that means that more people who read the newspaper or magazines or listen to the interviews or watch the videos are seeing someone like me just existing and using the language and it's not going to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's been a really beautiful opportunity to connect and build bridges of communication between the uh, queer community in, in Latin America and the Caribbean and Spanish-speaking countries uh, to the people who are not from the community who are maybe curious and are too scared to to ask questions and they can uh, go to me <laughs> um, and uh, or watch my videos and 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 learn something and and feel closer to their relatives who they love who may be trans, maybe gender nonconforming, maybe non-binary. And uh, yeah, uh, something like Gaye has been really beautiful to to access those uh, communications. Yes. Well, uh, we want to celebrate you, Vico. I think what you're doing is, is so important to um, show visibility to have these conversations in English and in Spanish and so bilingually so perfectly, which I think is as amazing as well, because we, we it's so incredibly important right now, as, as we all know, we don't even need to get into it, but there's like a wave of legislation that is completely hateful. And the way we can, one of the ways we can fight this is is by calling people in and by, by showing visibility. And, and I just want to celebrate all the work that you do around that, Vico. It's really, really important. And, and we, we give you a big, huge matraca, like I said. <laughs> hey, yo, gracias, gracias. Yeah, it's been, it's it's really, I, I talked about this last week. It's a little dystopian to have the most representation that we've ever had as, as the queer community. And at the same time, politically, there is so much legislation that is attacking trans youth, queer youth. Um, and now also, uh, I mean, it's always an attack to literally everyone. Um, but it, I do, I do think that, uh, more visibility does help connect, does help see that, Hey, we are just human beings like everybody else, which I think, that's why I love doing characters that they're as I mean, I think doing sport uh, stories that are about coming out and and finding yourself and learning about yourself is beautiful and necessary. And I definitely want to keep doing those. But I also just want to do characters that just happen to be not binary, happen to be queer and other folks who are not queer can see themselves in them too, right? The same way that I see myself in a lot of other uh, cishet uh, characters and and see the humanity of, uh, of our existence because we are human, just like everybody else. We drive cars, we get coffee, we get parking tickets, we walk into a, a water hole and, and mess up our pants and have to do laundry and pay taxes, have a puppy. These are things that we, you know, that we are just as human as as everyone else. And showing these uh, these characters who just, you know, everyone can be like, oh yeah, I relate to that. And they just happen to be queer. It's like, oh great, love that. Yeah, that makes sense. Fantastic. Now, where can people keep up with you? How can we stay connected to what, whatever else you have in store? I, we love the TikTok. Where else? 
Yes. So on TikTok, I am Vico underscore Ortiz. On Twitter, I am V underscore Vico underscore Ortiz. On Instagram, I'm Puerto Rican Ninja. The last N for Puerto Rican is the same N for Ninja, so just the one N. And I think that's it for my socials. Uh, In terms of things that are coming up, I got some voiceover stuff that's happening that I can't talk about just yet, but it's very exciting to to dive into the world of, of voiceover and animation. It's it was a, a dream of mine prior to the pandemic. And honestly, the pandemic just made me pedal to the metal on that one. And I made a little cabin in my in my apartment, in my closet, and started auditioning. And, and now it's uh, picking up and it's very exciting. I can't wait to talk about it more. And I am diving into the world of executive producing and producing. Wow. So, so exciting. I, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I got um, a project that I jumped into as an executive producer that I will also uh, can't wait to talk about more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like the goal is to continue creating spaces and opportunities for more queer folks to uh, share their art. Because I mean, I've been in LA for thirteen years. I I know a lot of incredibly talented writers, directors, producers, um, people um, that work on makeup and costumes and all these all these positions that I uh, just need that like extra push and I, I cannot wait to start producing uh, some of those. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, thank you so, so much for spending time with us. Y'all got to check out Our Flag Means Death. Thank you so much, Vico. Thank you so, so much. It was an absolute delight. All right, y'all. That was a fantastic conversation. And now it's time to close out with our rapid fire questions. So let's hear what you've got today. Ana Sheila, why don't we start with you? What are you celebrating, big or small? What's bringing you joy? What's your matraca today? So I want to celebrate uh, a Mexican performer and singer. Her name is Flor Amargo. And the reason I actually know of her even is because my dad, like a little bit before he passed, he discovered her on YouTube because my dad spent all of his time on YouTube <laughs> and he found her and he just loved her energy. And so I like got to know her. I actually got to meet her here in Mexico City. And I just want to give her a shout out because if you look her up, y'all, Flor, like flower, Amargo, A-M-A-R-G-O. And she is just a joy. Like she is just so real. She started her career as a street performer and just was has been so true to who she is and her energy. And like she's now she's going to be performing on one of the biggest stages in, in, in Mexico. She's brown. She's queer. So it's just I just love people being able to get to certain heights, especially being themselves and just being like from the people and for the people. So shout out goes to Flora Vargo. I love that. And can you tell me a little bit about the sound? Like what kind of music is this? Describe the sound for us. God, it's 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 interesting. It's like a little bit like kind of like folk ballad rock. Like that's it's like a mix of all the things. That sounds awesome. Well, okay. Well, we'll have to play a little bit of that. So, Ana Sheila, what is your basura? 
Okay, so my basura, I am putting a Sports Illustrated cover in La Basura. So the most recent Sports Illustrated cover was of um, five top WNBA players. And I'm putting it in La Basura because, um, as y'all probably know, there is a significant LGBTQ plus representation in the WNBA, yet everybody that was on the cover were all wearing very traditional femme bathing suits. And I just would have loved to see, I mean, I love that they were on the cover, but I would have loved to see the diversity of the players represented on the front of that screen. And I think part of it, like it really comes down to hashtag homophobia. So that's what I'm putting in La Basura. Okay. And what is getting your calma? So what is getting my calma is just how we can all practice to be more gentle with ourselves. I was recently working with a client who's super, super hard on herself. And some of the things that we talked about, and I might have mentioned some of these, but I'll mention them again, um, is how can we, what what are some practices that we can do to be more gentle with ourselves? And one thing is, what are the, how are, can we change the words that we're using? Like, what are the words that we're using? And can if they're harsh, can we make them softer? So for example, um, instead of saying, I should, saying, I get to do something, instead of working hard, working with ease, instead of discipline, saying intentional practice. So if we're folks, this is especially for folks that put a lot of pressure on themselves. How can you be more gentle with yourselves in the language that you use and and what you do? And another thing, another suggestion that I want to give for people that are super hard on themselves is writing yourself a letter of forgiveness and a letter and a love letter. So that's my calma for today. Yeah. So y'all, y'all have some, uh, some homework. Now I know, and like, in case there's new listeners here, I would love for you to unpack the should, because I think that is a, is a really powerful one. Tell us why we should <laughs> stop saying you should. Yeah. So should is, there's a lot of shame in it because basically when you say should, you're feeling the pressure of like, this is something I'm supposed to do. And a lot of times that is also not coming from you. It's coming from like external pressure. So it's it's a pressure-filled word, it's a shame-filled word, and it puts more heaviness on ourselves. And so by choosing to use a different word, like I get to, um, you get to ground in, is this actually something you, you that you're grateful to do? Is it actually something that you want to do, you yourself, or where is it coming from? So that's a little bit of the, of the background on that. Love it. Very helpful. Very helpful. Okay. So now I'm going to share with you my matraca. This is a heavy one. This is a deep one. Let's see. Super Let's see. Super deep profound. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, Anishela. Can you think, when was the last time you found yourself in a porta potty? A few months. A few months ago. Now, do you recall whether or not there was a handle inside the porta potty? Right, like, right like below eye level. I don't recall. Well, let me tell you that when there is one, it is matraca worthy, okay? Um, yeah. I'm sure you, 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 do you join me in being the type of porta potty user that hovers? Do you hover over that disgusting hole? Of course, I never sit on that. Mm-mm. Right. Now, can you imagine being two feet shorter, which is what I am? I mean, I, maybe I'm not two feet shorter, but I'm definitely about a foot shorter. You're like a foot you. shorter. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when, when you are 4'11 and a half and you try to hover, Guess where your fucking face goes? It goes inside the goddamn urinal. <laughs> your face is face to face with the urinal. And uh, when you have the handle now, I've, I've noticed it's like a new thing now. Inside the porta potties, there's now like a little handle right about eye level. And it has been wonders for me because I just hold on to the handle and like I sort of like um, 
hang on it. <laughs> um, and that has made it easier for me to hover so that my face is not in the goddamn urinal. So my Rebecca goes to Handles Inside Porta Potty. Yes, for more accessibility. And also, I was just thinking right now, Brenda, about how we probably both experience our day-to-day life differently because of the angle in which we see and do everything. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, <laughs> um, all right. And what about your basura? What are you putting in the trash? You know, the list is endless. The list is is endless. It is astonishing. It is uh, incredible. I mean, there, I, there's been so much madness going on with the abortion bans, with the horror stories that I'm hearing from abortion providers and people seeking abortion care, with the freaking now there's a baby formula shortage that could have been avoidable if this country gave a shit about babies. And then, of course, there's the governor of Texas saying, blaming this thing to blaming the shortage on, on formula to, uh, you know, blaming it, basically blaming brown babies and saying maybe we should let ba- brown babies starve to death. Anyway, so the list of basuras is endless. But um, because there's so much to get mad about, I decided to ask our listeners, you know, what goes in la basura this week? And I'm going to read them off. Does that sound okay for you, Anna Shayla? Oh, so fun. Let's hear it. Okay, there's not that many, but <laughs> but it's still fun. Okay, so we got we got uh, user, Damarindo, hold on. Sorry, Twitter user. I'll just say Denise because I don't want to get her in trouble. She wants to throw her job in la basura. You know, (laughs) there's definitely times folks want to put their job in la basura. So definitely, for for all all of you who this resonates with, you know, your job, a la basura. Uh, Here's another one from somebody named Chris. Toxic, pathological, passive-aggressive types. While I have some compassion for them, if you're... Adults, they need to figure their shit out. And, you know, if they're adults, they need to figure their shit out. So, yes, basura to passive-aggressive types. And then we've got one more. This one says, what goes in la basura this week is politicians saying pretty words without getting the job done. Um, and also, what else they got here? Abbott News. Is that the governor of Abbott? Oh, no. Probably. Talking no? It. no, no, no. <laughs> Different thing. It's related, though. Abbott is the... Um, the, the providers of the baby formula. They're the reason why we have this shortage. Anyways, so Abbott News for prioritizing profits over children's safety and those wanting to impose pregnancy, maternity, and breastfeeding on others. Yep, mm-hmm, basura to all of those. And then one more, basura to Joe Manchin. Yes, he's a piece of shit. And all the Republicans. So I think, amen to all those basuras. I concur. <laughs> I, I agree. I double stamp that. <laughs> um, and what about your calma, Brenda? What, what's what's keeping you grounded recently? Well, my calma is that I'm taking a comedy writing course with Zara Norwalk, which you all should check out. She's phenomenal. She's been a guest on this show. And one of the exercises that we have to do is timed writing. So literally setting a timer for 10 minutes. And then she does give us a prompt for the week and then writing for that prompt. And I think it's a really helpful exercise. And I think folks should give it a try of setting timers and doing things kind of like under that pressure. It it does help improve your writing. And I will share another drill is setting a timer for three minutes and just coming up with whatever comes to mind as an action verb. And that really helps kind of build some variety and also exercise that muscle of, of writing under pressure. So those are a couple of little exercises that have been helpful for me, and that are bringing San Calma around writing. I love it. Wait, could you do like a really specific one? 
Like what would be a specific, when you said the, the writing, the action verbs, is, there, well, is it just I like mean, really broadly? It could be whatever you want. It, it could be whatever you want. But let's ju- sometimes it's helpful to think of a, of a scenario or a situation or a, a, a being. So for example, set yourself a timer for one minute and write any verb that comes to mind when you think of squirrels. You know, think of squirrels. So, I mean, think about it. What would come up like biting, chewing, chasing, scratching, mm-hmm. itching, all of that shit, whatever. And even if it's wrong, even if it's not even really a verb, write it down and don't correct yourself. And if you all listen back to our episode with episode with Zara, you know that she kind of went through some of the different beings, little monsters that are part of our um our writing process. And so when you set yourself a timer and not stop yourself and not look for perfect, that really flexes that creative muscle versus the editor that's like jumping in wanting to say, no, that's wrong. Scrolls don't do that. You know, that shit that all those little negative self-talks that, that come into us during a creative process. So I highly recommend this exercise. It'll maybe help us add some, voc- some variety to the type of words we use. I'm saying that for you and me and Ashayla specifically, because I know we're big fans of, I love that. We're big fans of, that's amazing, which is the, the words that both of us say all the time. So I think that's a really helpful exercise to kind of just add a little bit of variety. So hope it's useful to folks listening as well. Beautiful. All right. Well, with that, I think that's the end of our show, right, Brenda? That is correct. Now, if y'all please, you know, share this episode. And you already know we've got that 10% discount going for all of our listeners when you shop at sholobooks.com. And we hope to see you at our event in July. All right, y'all. Ponte un suéter. Take care. Abrazos. Besos. Ciao. Tamarindo Podcast is Brenda Gonzalez and Anasheila Victorino. Our producers are Mitzi Hernandez and Augusto Martinez of Sonoro Media. Our theme song is by Jeff Ricards. If you want to support our work, please rate and review Tamarindo Podcast on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with a friend. Get in touch with us at tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.